Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. It's Blue Shirt Wednesday, by the way. And with me, as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, but clearly not everything, according to this review I just read last night, mm. Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. Welcome to the show, Nate. What's up, Chuck? You having a good day so I far? Am, you know, it's a, it's actually a good day despite um, some of my trades in the market, which weren't great, and despite this review that we have. Like, look, we we ask you guys if you love the show. Wait, do we actually have a bad review? Yeah, we do. I, oh, I, I want to no. read this for, for you. I, I looked last night because our reviews are going up, which is always nice, but of course there's one person in there who who uh, clearly doesn't understand what the show's about <laughs> who takes the time to leave a review see this is why i ask you guys all you guys so nicely to subscribe to the show and leave us a review because all you guys need to outweigh these types of people who um, who clearly have no idea what the show's about and so i'm gonna i'm gonna read this for you here in a second nate um are you having a good day i was until you told me about this bad review now i'm rethinking everything <laughs> so- everything in yeah. your whole life i might quit now i can't wait i to might re- just give up on this i can't wait to read this for you because it's it's uh this is it's great <laughs> this is good morning liberty by the way that's why you're listening because this is good morning liberty we talk about life liberty in the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to so make sure that you smash that subscribe button smash it real hard so you can get some liberty goodness sent straight to your ears every single day. Charlie, what's the live the group Hit is me giving with it. this person hell. Hit me with it. Let me hear what they have to say. So this came uh, This came from Normal Joe 2. Uh, Joe? Which Joe was this? This was Normal Joe. Okay. Oh, that's the iTunes name here. The title is Woof. And it says, a second star for decent sound quality, but these guys have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to so many issues. <laughs> it's okay to admit ignorance about some things, guys. So that's it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's not that bad. They didn't insult me personally or anything. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, I mean, we're still a five out of five stars. So that's good. They don't count. That's two star review, I guess. Man, I thought it was going to be one that I cared about. There you go. Get me all worked up. And it's just another Yahoo out there saying dumb stuff. Yeah. There we go. It's we don't have any idea about what we're talking about. You notice how they came with facts you know straight facts in yeah. the review yeah it's a good argument just, yeah you're like, you're like hey man two plus two is four i've done the research two plus two is four and you're like hey, you don't know what you're talking about that's a great argument two stars <laughs> they did say that we had decent sound quality though yeah well we do yeah we do have we better after all the pain and suffering that's gone into the sound quality mm-hmm. it better be pretty good okay well uh, here we I talk thought, about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning on this show. In case some of you out there, first time listening, don't understand what we do, we had another person uh, that said uh, that we were that we were what what they say that we were ignorant because we said that the Capitol riots was mostly peaceful. Oh, and they clearly didn't get the sarcasm. It was a joke. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, it was mostly peaceful. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Te- I'll, I'll stay true to that. Technically speaking, yeah, but but it was really a a play on the BLM protest being mostly peaceful. So we're just comparing those two. And, and so I think, I think it was a her because she said, she said something to the essence of, uh, 
I thought I was going to find a balanced show, but not finding it here, boys. She Could have been us, anyone. Called us boys. We don't know. Yeah, so, that's, honestly, if someone doesn't get sarcasm, they're not going to be listening to the no, show. This and isn't a good show I'm for you. I'm for sure not going to change any of the ways that I do any of that because it's not physically possible. Right. <laughs> so I don't want that person to listen to the show. Yeah. That's fine. You don't know any other way, but sarcasm. No, that just is. Sarcasm is the light. <laughs> that is of the your life. Um, we do have this first article in here, Charlie. I was going to tell you we're going to we'll talk about this if you want to read it to everyone. We don't have to spend much time on it because the last couple of days in a row we've talked about the unemployment benefits. We've talked about how that's leading to more unemployment. Obviously, as far as economics go, this is clearly happening. Even Biden coming out yesterday saying that they're going to be cracking down on people who are not taking jobs when they get a job offer. What? Yeah. So they're admitting that they, they know what it's well, doing. Now we're going to see the left turn around and support that. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. This coming from the Tennessean local story here to Nashville, folks. Governor Bill Lee opts Tennessee out of the $300 federal unemployment supplement and other programs. Tennessee is withdrawing from a $300 weekly unemployment supplement program, a decision by Governor Bill Lee that comes, as many Republicans argue, the additional funds allow low-wage workers to make more money while staying at home. You don't say. That gif is so good. I didn't see it. <laughs> okay, sorry. I didn't hear a word you said. Keep going. Tennessee's withdrawing from a $300 weekly unemployment supplement program, a decision by Governor Bill Lee that comes as many Republicans argue that the additional funds allow low-wage workers to make more money while staying at home. They're arguing that because it's true, It's yes, by the way. That is why they're making the argument. Lee informed the U.S. Department of Labor of the decision Tuesday, joining several other southern states in refusing the additional payments for unemployed people. Notice they have to say other southern states. We just, right. did it. We just talked about how Montana just did this, like, a, like last week. It's the mother southern race of states. Yeah, man. you got to talk about the southern mm -hmm. states because those are the ones that are doing it, man, because they... Mm -hmm. Because they hate minorities. They're still in That's the Confederacy. Yeah. Quote, we will no longer participate in federal pandemic unemployment programs because Tennesseans have access to more than 250,000 jobs in our state. Lee said in a statement about the decision, families, businesses, and our economy thrive when we focus on meaningful employment and move on from short-term federal fixes. The federal unemployment assistance programs will end in Tennessee on July 3. Lee wrote to Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh. In addition to the $300 supplement, Tennessee is also ending participation in federal programs that have allowed those who don't usually qualify for benefits, such as the self-employed, to receive them, as well as an initiative that extend the payments once regular unemployment benefits expired. So, no more freebies. By the way, I, I read that article perfectly. Yeah, you didn't mess up a single word. It wasn't word. even a stumble in place. That wasn't... <laughs> That wasn't that wasn't too bad at all, man. Let me tell you mm. what. I'll tell you what, the Bill Lee guy, you know, he's very he's he's very Republican, but he's also been pretty good on the economic and the state power front of things. He did in fact leave in fact leave most of the COVID mandates up to the individual counties and cities. Mm. You know, there weren't a lot of state mandates that came over everyone. Uh, he of course got a lot of heat for that. He's been pretty good. As far as that goes, he's not good on other things. He's no libertarian, don't worry. He won't even allow medical marijuana. Mm -hmm. I mean, he so he, it's not as if he's perfect or anything. Because that I, goes against his Christian rights. Yep, 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 yep. 
that's a. Uh, I agree with this one. Absolutely, mm-hmm. pull out of it because uh, if people can get jobs, which there are plenty of jobs available, then they need to go work. And if they're worried about the pandemic, then they need to get the vaccine. If they're that worried about getting sick, and then it'll be fine. Yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. And if you if your job forces you to have a vaccine, then something goes wrong. Then it's your job's fault. Yep, according to OSHA. So did you try to? You were telling me earlier. Did you try to get any gas? Early, you know, there's this gas shortage thing and going right now. I apparently. did last night because yeah. I I didn't know what was happening. So, so like everyone else, you fled to the gas stations to no. Try interestingly and fill up your enough, I went to the gas station for a snack, <laughs> and uh, we uh, on the way home, I had to get some jewels and some snacks, and decided to stop at the gas station. And I was like, God, there's so many people lined up at the pump. Like, what is going on? Is they having a I thought they were having a gas sale. <laughs> you know, you and I grew up in a really small town in Southern Illinois, and there's this, there was this gas station next to the airport, this really tiny airport in Southern Illinois. Uh, we had an airport? Marion. Oh, okay. We had a little tiny airport, the I regional airport in Marion. Yeah. Oh, Marion, Illinois, a place where nothing's there. <laughs> Land of It's the, on their sign. <laughs> it just says... <laughs> drive in. just says Marion. You know, I, went th- I told you I went there last on Saturday. And you were there up there a lot. Yeah. I have been a really long time since I've been back up there, and I just literally forgot how many people don't exist. Yeah, Ma- Illinois sign when you drive into the state says, hate to see you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what it says. Yeah. And they put a lot more of those signs up because a lot more people yeah. are leaving. But but no, we, there used to be this gas station. there. I think it's still there. I don't know. I didn't drive by it. It's But anyway, what they did is like once a quarter – they would sell gas at, for like 10 cents. And can anybody tell me why they do that? So they, they can sell stuff that's in the gas station. Exactly, because gas stations don't really make much money on gas. They, they make most of their money off of their convenience items that they severely mark up compared to other places. You know, like because it's convenient to walk in and grab something rather than have to go through Walmart like a warehouse Gas stations are convenience stores that also sell gas in the parking lot. Exactly. They, they have to sell their stuff inside. They're mini grocery stores. Yeah. That's that's where they make their money. That's where they make most of their money. So the idea was is that they would have, sell this gas for 10 cents, but you would have to like go in to get a coupon to do it. Um, th- that's how you would have to get your gas. Mm. So, But you they would have cars lined down the street. And so in my mind, I was like, is this a new, like, is somebody catching on to this old trick that this gas station had back in Illinois? And, uh, but no, turns out I just did a Google search of gas and it just came up with all these shortage articles. So, yeah. Well, so you, I tried to get gas last night uh, to no avail. I, I was fed up uh, waiting in line and I said, screw it. I'm going home. I refuse to get any gas. My wife asked me about it when I got home. She's like, have you heard about this uh, gas line thing? And I was like, no, I haven't. Something blow up. And uh, she was like, no, we need to go get gas because this, this, and this. And I was like, I'm not getting gas. I've got enough gas to last the next two weeks because I'm not going anywhere this weekend. I'm not going to get gas. You're not going anywhere this weekend. No, I'm not. What? <laughs> it's pretty weird. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty weird thing. So anyway. Plus, you're, you, you need, uh, you're stocked up on jet fuel anyway. Yeah, I'm gonna trying to buy airplane gas, which there was a line of airplanes outside the station <laughs> also. So I'm going to wait on that. <laughs> so from Fee... An email that they sent over today, because you know what happens when there's a shortage of something? The evil price gougers mm. get out there and they gouge on the prices, man. They, they see, come out of the woodwork like like a festation of termites. They see that people need their gases and they say, you know what? I hate people. 
and I'm going to charge more for all this gas because I don't care about minorities. And that's exactly what happens. Because I'm an evil, greedy mother. That is an actual, re- I just read someone's real conversation right there. That is mm-hmm. exactly what they say. So they say lawmakers crack down on price gouging. And that's the how wake. they sounded because they just woke up from a nap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On that's sa- what they do most of the time. On Saturday, Colonial Pipeline announced that it had been the target of ransomware attack. Someone opened an email they weren't supposed to open. And it halted all pipeline operations to deal with the threat. The company, which delivers 45% of the fuel consumed on the East Coast, is working to resolve the problem, but it may be days or even weeks before the line is fully operational. Look, I'm not a, I'm not a pipeline expert. Yeah, I, I do understand the IT side of things, but I can't quite understand what the, unless this, unless they were able to like control the pressure and things like that. I, I don't know, but I'm just saying, how does this stop the gas from flowing? Have you ever seen Have you ever seen Live Free or Die Hard? Yes. Remember they had this, The well, just, just watch some of that movie again. You'll understand how much computers go into the gas lines. That's a very important that's, thing. All right. That's, okay. that's the extent of my knowledge, just for that person who's <laughs> going to post another or, review. Is live free or die. I would like to <laughs> admit my ignorance on exactly what computers do for pipelines. Yeah. But it's important. I mean, again, I, I don't, I don't know this industry, so I could be totally wrong, but I'm trying to think about it logically. And yes, Joe said Joe from the live group wins. We need to have like a a Patreon supporter of the day. You win already. Joe says, did they try unplugging and plugging the pipeline back in? Honestly, obviously not. No, they did not try that. They haven't tried that because we know that it works (laughs) and they haven't tried that. Fearing fuel shortages. Lawmakers were quick to respond to the incident. Quote, the federal government has temporarily allowed tanker drivers to exceed statutory limits on their drive time to help make up for some of the lost capacity from the pipeline. Read that again. The federal government (laughs) has temporarily allowed tanker drivers to exceed statutory limits on their drive time to help make up for some of the lost capacity from the pipeline. The government's giving you permission. Like, to oh. go over your limitations they set for you. Hey, can you pull up that list of things we do to slow shit down? Okay, <laughs> cross that one off the list for a week. Okay, thanks. Put, put a hold on that. <laughs> you, It's the free market! <laughs> the free market's probably this capitalism! They have a gas shortage because of price gouging capitalists. Governors in several states are also taking measures to ease the blow. For example, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper declared a state of emergency and in suspended motor vehicle fuel regulations. <laughs> All right, the tankers didn't work. Get down to some of the regulations on motor vehicles. And in Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp said he would suspend fuel taxes <laughs> and increase the weight limit for supply trucks. They were like, oh, damn, I didn't realize this truck could actually hold more stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> They just spell it out for us. And Brian Kemp also said, here's what the point of the article is, that he would prohibit price gouging. Because mm, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one Capital- of- <laughs> capitalism, this is capitalism's fault. One of these is not like the others. While rolling back taxes and regulations scales back government involvement in the market, forcing prices to stay low 
increases government interference with the market. Regrettably, the government, the governor's antagonism towards so-called price gouging was also echo- echoed by Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm in a White House press briefing yesterday. She said, we will have no tolerance for price gouging. Federal and state <laughs> officials will be investigating those actions if they see price gouging. And we are urging consumers to report any price gouging to their state attorneys general. Now, before we get into more of the economic side of this, it's important for everyone to remember that last week, the gas station was charging as much as they could for gas. Last week. And obviously balancing out the amount of volume they were going to do, they have worked it out to charge the highest price that they could and still do a good amount of volume for their gas. Last week, that is what they were doing. They were doing. price gouging last they week. They were price gouging last week. According to what the demand for gas was, they were charging the most they could. And this week, they are, according to the, the demand, charging the most they can. Okay? Price gouging, and I've been told before not to die on this hill. I've literally been told that for people. This is not the hill you want to die on, because I wrote an article about how price gouging wasn't a real thing. And I got some response in some libertarian Facebook groups saying, this is not the hill that people need to die on. This is supply and demand. This is literally the base, the most basic of economic states you can get. It is. And you shouldn't die on this hill? Su- then what hill would you die on if you're not going to die on the most basic hill that exists for economics? When it comes all the way down to the argument about economics, which is the most important thing in the world, bad economics has killed more people than anything the most important thing that I learned while in high school was the, the first thing about economics is this thing called supply and demand. And guess what? There's a decreased supply right now, and there's a bunch of people out there waiting in line to buy up all the gas. Now, where's all the gas? It's in people's gas tanks. That's why there's a shortage. Yeah. Because all the gas is being held in people's gas tanks for people who don't need it. And other gas containers. Well, normally they might allow their car to sit on the third of a tank or a half a tank. Now they want their tank to be full. What does that create? That creates everyone out there having twice or three times as much gas as what they would normally have. I passed by three gas stations who were already out of gas last night. Ugh, it's insane. Yeah. Insane. The problem with this approach is that it ignores one of the most crucial insights of economics, namely that prices coordinate our actions to meet consumer demand. For example, when gas becomes more scarce, prices tend to go up. This does two things. First, it incentivizes consumers to buy less gas, which is what needs to happen right now because the shortage ends up being caused by everyone running out and buying the gas. That is what ends up happening. If this was going to take a few days or a week to get solved and then there was going to be gas, they probably could make it with the amount of gas that they had at the gas stations already. But since everyone's buying two weeks worth of gas right now, then it's not enough. If people would just act normally, then they would actually have enough gas. Also, Susan can get to her brunch with Karen tomorrow and talk about how she was able to fill up her tank before everyone yeah. else got Oh, it. I got gas. I went down there to the corner state. I, I waited in line and yeah, I got I got a full tank. You didn't get any? Well, didn't you see the stories that were out there on, on Tucker was talking about it last night? Y'all didn't get any gas? Oh, okay. I saw it sh- scroll across my screen on Fox Business. <laughs> and then I... Tucker was talking about it last night. I already had my tank full. And I was like, honey, why the hell are we watching Fox Business? <laughs> Second. Not only that, I filled up. We have 18 containers of gas in the garage. <laughs> and you can't have none because I, I got to use some later. My husband passed out twice on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> Second. Fuel companies are incentivized to ramp up production. 
And new companies may even enter the market if they see that there is an opportunity for profit. Now, I doubt something very small shortage taking place in the span of a week is going to get a lot of startups out there for providing more gas. But that is something over the long term that can happen for sure. Thus, by incentivizing us to conserve gas and produce more of it, high prices help to alleviate the shortage. And then once fuel is more abundant, the price will come down. This is why economists say the solution to high prices is high prices. <laughs> that's, that's actually pretty good. No, you see, uh, this is a typical thing that you see in government-ran economies. They decide that they're going to fix prices on goods. And what happens? You end up having shortages. When something bad is going on and people need a supply of something, you do not want to fix the prices because it creates shortages. This always happens after a natural disaster or something like this. If you want more people to get water, if you want more people to get gas, then allow people to charge more for it. Then they will be more likely to send their drivers into harm's way. People will buy what they actually need and not a month's worth of supply. You guys ever heard of a... Y'all, y'all you, ever heard of the toilet paper shortage of 2020? You clearly hate poor people. I do. Yeah, that's what that's what it is. You hate poor people. You don't want poor people to get gas. <clears throat> yep, 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 yep. That's what yep. it is. So, when the governments impose price ceilings such as anti-price gouging laws, they are interfering with this market mechanism. When prices are kept artificially low, people inevitably consume what little gas we have left, and producers have no motivation to increase their production. Hence, the shortage will persist. So while an anti-price gouging policies may be well-intentioned, the reality is that they will only serve to exacerbate the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will die on this hill because this is the very basic fundamentals of economics, supply and demand. The supply is shortened right now. The demand is artificially high because people are freaking out. The price needs to go up. If it needs to go up to $5 to get people to stop filling up their tanks when they know they don't need it, then that's what it needs to do. It needs to go up to whatever amount people will actually only buy what they need when there is a shortage. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. That's just how economics works. I mean, I was looking at tickets earlier for flights to Europe, and they're price gouging those first class seats, man. Hmm. You know? Yeah, so that, much it is. So much more expensive. I don't understand. That's what people <laughs> like. Do you think that last week the gas stations were just like, oh, well, we could charge more, but it would just be wrong for us to do so? You know, that just mm-hmm. wouldn't be the right thing because people need gas. And then this week they're like, oh, I see everyone's lining up. Let's charge the highest prices because we we need to go to Cabo, man, and I need to charge higher prices for this. No, no, they could actually end up running out of gas and not being open for a week. So they're going to get paid to not be open for a week is, is what's going to happen yeah. because they need to sell those. They need to sell those Coke Zeros. They need to sell their chips. That's what they got to sell. I'm with Joe here. I get so tired of people hurting us with the best intentions. Yeah. It's, it's always it's, the best it's, intentions. It's, I don't understand how I, I, it doesn't make logical sense. And no. I think that's the problem is we, we humans make a lot of decisions based on fear and based on emotions. And I'm not saying that emotions are wrong to feel. You can feel those things. But like I tell my four year old, hey, it's OK to be mad and frustrated. That's perfectly fine to feel those feelings. You can talk about those feelings. You can steam on the inside, but that's not an excuse to hit someone. It's not an excuse to hit the dog because he got in your space. Okay. You can be mad at the dog that he got in your space. He's invading your space. I get it. You're four. You're trying to play with your monster truck. That dog's coming over there, licking you and licking the truck and messing your game up. I get it. Okay. (laughs) But you don't get to act upon those feelings. But all too often, that's what we do. And it's like, well, the best intentions, 
the best intentions, who cares about the consequences? <clears throat> we uh, never think about, we never, we can never see beyond the, 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 now, like literally an hour later. <laughs> that, that is, yeah, it's, an hour might be a little bit too close. Actually, yeah. It might be too far away, actually. Yeah, five or 10 minutes. And I, I'm not perfect. Trust me. I can have a temper and I can, I can not see the future. There are times in my life where I've looked back and be like, man, if I just would have thought about that for just a little bit longer, I wouldn't have made such an, a, an emotional response. So it's, um, but these things we've been looking at for years. It's like, this is just as, as you mentioned, as people in the live group mentioned, it's literally middle school and high school economics. I mean, I remember supply and demand being talked about in Miss Oliver's class when I was in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. That is the first thing yeah. you hear about economics. Supply and demand. And so this is that, listen, I don't actually, I say this is the hill to die on. I prefer to not die on any hills. I don't really want to want to die on even, the hill. You don't even prefer death at all. No, no, I'm I'm very against death, so I don't want to die on the hill. But when it comes to your principles, and especially when it comes to economics, we say this all the time, you have got to defend those principles at the times when it is the hardest to do so. Those are the actual important times to do it, when it's not popular for you to do it. When people are talking about price gouging during a pandemic or a natural disaster or during a gas shortage, something like that, those are the times that you have to make the point, hey, I know it's tough, but in the toughest times, you still got to follow basic economic principles. And if you can't follow it, then you're not going to be able to follow it any other time. And so that's why I, that's why I still, you know, I don't want to die on the hill, but I, I would like to fight on this hill. I'll mm -hmm. do that. I ain't going to die, though, man. You're going to you plant what. the Liberty flag right on top of the hill and not let anybody take it down. I have planted my flag. <clears throat> okay, go on. All right, so uh, this is coming from ABC News. This is, um, this is just more great things. How New Jersey's biggest city is using guaranteed income to aid pandemic recovery. The most populous city in New Jersey has launched a pilot program to give guaranteed income to some residents as the pandemic has exacerbated the racial wealth gap and exposed the economic vulnerabilities millions of Americans face. Experts say success in Newark, New Jersey, a neighbor of New York City, could set a precedent for other communities around the country to follow suit as the nation seeks to equi equitably recover from the economic devastation wrought by COVID-19. As the nation seeks to equitably recover from to, economic devastation. Exactly. That that's, <laughs> that's the number one goal. And if it's not equitable, then, then it's not a recovery. Then no one gets to recover. Yeah. Quote, we must emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic with a new purpose, new vision, and new ideas to transform our community to truly improve the quality of life of our residents. Newark Mayor Ross Baraka. She probably said, then we need a we need a great reset. And that's bas basically what she just said. <laughs> Essentially, it's like never let a good crisis go to waste. Exactly. Like, so we're going to use this pandemic to our favor to implement all the policies we wanted to all along. And now we have this great emotional excuse that we can tie it back to quote here we have an opportunity to directly empower and strengthen hundreds of lives immediately while also demonstrating how to do so to the entire nation it's just a beacon of hope in newark the pilot program is starting with just 30 residents <laughs> there you go but it's set to expand oh how do they choose the 30 i wonder uh, it's got to be random i bet it's random totally random yeah 
But it's set to expand to 400 residents in the fall. To qualify, participants must be Newark residents who are at least 18 and have income levels at or below 200% of the federal poverty threshold. To start, participants will receive $6,000 per year with half receiving payments on a biweekly basis and half receiving payments twice yearly. Because that'll that'll prop them up. Yeah, and... We'll talk about this a little bit more in a second, I guess, but they're talking about how they're going to demonstrate how to do so for the entire nation. Having a program where you take money that, by the way, has been philanthropically given. This is this is not government money they're using for this. This is private charity money that they're using for the program. So that's fine. Totally fine. But you can't take 30 people or 400 or 500 people or 1,000 people and freely given charity money and say that if it works out well for these people, that obviously we need to institute this as a federal government mandate across the entire nation. Nationwide. That is not an accurate study because you're not using tax money. You're not taking the money from some people from the middle classes paychecks and then giving it to these people. You're, you're taking it from really, really uber rich people have decided to give to this cause and then you're only doing it with a very small amount of people, so you're not going to see the entire societal effects that happens when everyone has that money and what that's going to do for inflation of all the goods and services. So anyway, mm -hmm. or you can keep going. I couldn't uh, couldn't agree more. <laughs> Good. That's, this is what I love right here. So they're writing an article about how this is... Uh, basically what we've read so far is that this is... This is working. Mm -hmm, that's what mm -hmm. that's what they're saying. But then they go on to say, this is on down the article, folks. If it is successful, we don't even know yet. <laughs> the group has said on its website it anticipates it will be funded through state or federal money. What does success look like in this is what I want to know. Like, what does that mean? G giving, people, giving people $500 a month. Uh, so $250 biweekly is what people are going to be getting from this. Uh, what does success look like? How do you define what the success is? That mm. They had a little bit more money to pay for their goods? Of course they did. You were giving them money. Like, it's obviously going to look successful. <laughs> did the people have more money to buy things? Yes. Success. Success. <laughs> Let's scale this up, too. Why yeah. not six million per year? Why are we just limited to six thousand? I don't know. Those poor folks. Obviously, the more we give, the more the we're gonna make on the back end. It's hard from to this buy investment. It's hard to buy a boat. It's only extra six thousand. Did extra you per see that that uh, Jeff Bezos is getting a five hundred million dollar boat north of five hundred million? It's like four hundred and seventy five foot yacht with a has yacht to support another it. yacht <laughs> to support it. That's amazing. It's so awesome. I love it. Yeah. Oh man. My brother sent that to me this morning as I, I think a dig on because he's like it's only point two percent of his wealth or whatever. I'm I like, don't care. Good for him. I don't care if he gets a fifty billion dollar yacht. Yeah. And then it has a has a whole fleet of yachts to support him. A whole who cares? Just a baby bunch of baby yachts <laughs> surrounding it like the mother duck. Like with her little chicklins. That's you guys wonder why <laughs> Bezos at every Amazon product thing he gets out there and he goes boats and hoes. <laughs> Every single time? He meant it. Yeah. He, you know? He meant it. <laughs> Just that, and that's that old tribute song from uh, Prestige Worldwide. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Boats and hoes. One of the best. Boats and hoes. One of the best yeah, out there. That's it. 
So if this is successful, the group has said on its website it anticipates it will be funded through the state or federal money. Quote, guaranteed income is essentially just an income floor, an agreement that we decide individuals should not fall beneath. Stacia West, the director and co-founder of the Center for Guaranteed Income Research. The, the pilot program is especially targeting residents who are formerly homeless, formerly incarcerated, undocumented, or aging out of the foster care system, according to a statement from the mayor's office. In 2017, people were like, you all are a cra- you all are, are crazy. You can't just give people 500 a month, Wes recalled. Like it's something to do? Like it's- I think a lot more sense than that. We have a lot of entrenched narratives. They are frankly rooted in anti-blackness. By that, the way, there's the argument. There it is right here. We have a lot of entrenched narratives that are frankly rooted in anti-blackness. That suggests that people are somehow going to misuse the money. So that's if you, by the way, this whole time, all the, all the arguments we've been making about this, it's all rooted in anti-blackness. Mm, frankly. Frankly, it is. Yeah. That's all. That, that's, I don't know if you guys heard us. But that's all we've been saying. Yep. Is just, we've just been racist this whole time. And not even known it. No. Well, I mean, deep down, we knew it. But, you know, we were portraying it differently. Because I haven't had my unconscious bias Mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. Your company hasn't hosted your own own unconscious bias training. And it never will. So, I don't know why it has to be anti-blackness. By the way, people, it doesn't. We talked about how there are economic problems and more minorities tend to be at a lower economic status. And yeah, we could talk about how that stems from terrible things that have happened in our history. That could obviously be a discussion, and we've had that discussion several times. But people who are poor and who have made decisions that have led to them being poor tend to make bad decisions more so than people who haven't made decisions that led to them being poor. I didn't notice I didn't talk about them being black or white people. I'm just saying that people who tend to be homeless or formerly incarcerated or or even undocumented people uh, in this uh, in this program, they typically are going to be more so people that don't make great financial decisions. And so therefore, if someone makes an argument saying, "Well, you're going to give people 250 bucks every two weeks and they're going to spend it on on booze and and blow." then uh, that means that you're just being anti-black somehow, which I, in, <clears throat> in itself sounds like the racism's coming from the other side, but don't quote me on that because I'm just ignorant of <laughs> yeah. this issue. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You have no, yeah. Woof, woof, <laughs> woof. Cap. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. I know someone who, um, who works somewhere that uh, sees a lot of people from lower economic status. And I'm talking all kinds of people and well, they see a range from people from low to high economic and the worst people to deal with. They're not, they're not black. They're not white. They're not Hispanic. They're not Asian. They're not anything else. It's the worst people to deal with are all the people who are in the lower economic status. It doesn't matter what color they are. It's the people who have the lowest economic status. They think they're the most entitled. They complain the most. They're victims. They're exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 this is why you were talking earlier about dying on this hill of economics. This is why economics is so freaking important. It's literally the most important thing. And it's not because we don't talk about economics because we want to be rich and we're tired of the government stealing our money. Although that is true. I mean, I'm tired of the government stealing my money. I just had a tax conversation the other day that I wanted to throw up. 
I'm doing my and, taxes tonight, and so and I, I'm in a terrible mood right now. Hopefully, yeah. we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I hope so, because it's, it's Lacey not, knows. I know it's the end of the rope. Lacey but. knows that I do not like. I am in a terrible mood when we're doing stuff dealing with taxes, and you know how girls are generally. Yes, they want to follow every single little rule that is set in place on this thing, and I'm like, oh, how much money did you make? And I'm like, uh, around this much, and he's like, down to the penny. Or we're going to go to prison. And I'm like, they're not going to check yeah. that shit. And if they do, come after me for a hundred bucks. You know, whatever right. whatever it is. So I don't care. And so we end up... And then up, also, generally, they're like, well, you have to do it. Yeah. I'm like, like well, why can't I complain about it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so she knows. She's She told me this morning, when I left, she's like, just so you know, we need to file our taxes tonight. And I was like, okay. You're actually like, no, it's not due till Monday. Yeah. <laughs> they're not getting my money early. <laughs> There's no way, but, but we talk about economics as being the most important thing. It's be, and, and the reason we talk about it in the way that we do is because to, for people to have the most economic success, they need to have the most amount of Liberty people giving people $6,000 a year is not economic success. Like, what are what are you doing? What kind of value are providing? How are you growing wealth? How is it that these that the people who are going to be receiving this are any better off. Are they better off than being homeless? You could argue maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Some people that you can't give them money because if you do, of course, this is This is rooted in anti-blackness. Is, I can hear say. the anti-blackness, but some people all over, according to some uh, clinical psychologists, researchers, uh, if you just give them money, especially uh, I'm, I'm talking mostly People who are um, who have a disease, alcoholism, or or addic addicted to drugs, which is one of the best diseases you can have. Yeah, as far as diseases, yeah, it's probably better than cancer. It's most cancers. Yeah, but um, if you give them money, then they just end up buying alcohol and drugs. The, 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 they're sometimes they're better off broke, and I and I'm not getting that from my own, um, just my own logical thinking. Although that. That wouldn't be bad in and of itself that I'm getting that from actual clinical psychological psychological research. The 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 question here to to why are we talking about this is how do they define success of this? Because the argument against a universal basic income is not that if you give it to a small amount of people, those people won't be better off and be able to pay their bills and, and things like that. You could obviously say, if you're going to pick a thousand people and you're going to give them money, that they'll be okay. The argument against universal basic income is one, it'll end up being too expensive, well, but no one cares about that because we can just print money out of thin air and it doesn't matter, right? Number two, it's going to lead to massive inflation, which is something that we're seeing right now after we've been testing universal basic income for the entire country over the last year. We're seeing more inflation. The market coming down hard today after the Fed released their inflation numbers, something around, you said it was 4%? 4.2%. Which in their target is normally two. That is what actually happens. We are seeing the prices of goods skyrocket right now. Gas, before the gas shortage was already going up a ton. The price of lumber, the price of houses, the price of groceries, everything is going up. And that is because when you just send everyone money and you give everyone this arbitrary amount of buying power, they can all spend that and the prices are going to adjust. They are absolutely going to adjust to the supply and demand of the issue. Obviously because of price gouging. Just because of price gouging. <laughs> 
That's how it's gonna. That's why. That's why this happens. Is because the evil price gougers. The prices will go up, and so a a, a study of a thousand people that are gonna go around in their in their community with a little bit more money does not tell you what would happen if every single person was being given or the majority of the community were being given that amount of money because that is what would actually lead to the inflation. And I guarantee you that is not going to be part of their study. Their study is going to ask, when we gave people this money, were they better off after we gave them this money? And most likely the answer is going to be yes. But that does not include anything about what it would actually do to the actual inflation rate or whether or not we'd actually be able to pay for it, which are the questions that actually need to be answered. All right. That's what I'm saying, ma'am. That's what I'm saying. You know, I think we should go ahead and end it right there. I've got some more good articles, but I feel like at 40 minutes, we're doing pretty good. I do, and I have an appointment with my son yeah. coming up in 10 minutes, so yep, that's got to be present for that. That's what I figured. That's what I figured, man. Mm-hmm. So if you weren't here beforehand, we had some new announcements for the 500th episode party. You have until Monday to sign up for the Patreon to want to get invited. have the opportunity to be invited to this 500th episode party party that we will be having and i've i worked on a little t-shirt design today i think it turned out pretty well so make sure you sign up because there's only a few days left for you to get in on this liberty goodness we're gonna have a good time so make sure you go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty and sign up for as little as five dollars a month and i want to mention this uh, congratulations to joe well one of the joes in the patreon group um who missed the show because his son was just born nice Timed it to come in with the Liberty Bell. Congrats. Congratulations, Joe, and to your wife. That's awesome. That's uh that's really cool. You can't that's, end the show any better than that. Tell you, you can't. what, man. I mean, this is this is when you have to just stay this is good enough. And what if we would have had two sons born? <laughs> I know. Well that I guess I guess you could end this better, you know? That's, that's what he told his Get lady. to work, Joe. He's like, Hey, when Liberty Bell strikes, you better come. I'm glad. Uh, hopefully, he gets your son gets to listen to this episode tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Start him early. Start him young. <laughs> Within the first 24 hours of birth. All right, guys. I know you enjoyed today's show because it's hilarious and awesome as always. <laughs> and because of that, you want us to leave us one of those five star rating and reviews and tell us how good we are because we don't know. That's how humble we are. We don't understand how good we are, and we need you to tell us. So leave us uh, do that by leaving us a review on there and then uh tell the person who left a bad review that uh, they don't know what they're talking about Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's that's what i want you to do share the show with a friend share this show with your boss trickle d i'm talking to you share the show with the children especially the ones that were just born share it with them if you guys do all of that we'll be back again tomorrow hope you have a good day and a good morning liberty